Well, praise God. Man, I'm glad y'all are here this morning. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm just doing everything. I, I have so much I want to say today, and I'm just trying to follow the Holy Ghost and so much I want to do. Uh, and, and, but I feel like this is something else that's important we need to do today. Um, I'm, some of y'all, it was really funny. Wednesday night, I preached a message and about ministering to the Lord. And I, it just was terrible, I thought. I, I just like I couldn't get it out of my mouth. I felt like it fell right off the pulpit. I felt like I just struggled with it. I went home to my wife. That was the worst message I've ever preached in my life. How could I have missed God so bad? And she said, I thought it was good. And then next thing I know, I just started getting email after email. People go write and sending me and say, oh, my God, that message is great. You better So I, I figured, well, I guess it's just the devil fighting me on the thing. And so uh, uh, I, I, I kind of want to go that direction. I kind of got some other directions I want to go this morning. But uh, I don't know. I just, I'm telling you, I'm excited today. I don't know where everybody is. I pray there's just millions out there watching this morning because I don't know where everybody is here this morning because uh, I, know, I know somebody's hiding or something. But anyway, and so I want you to get your Bibles out. And I want you, I think, to go to Hebrews chapter 4 right now. George, walk back there. There he is. And get to Hebrews chapter 4. And Bill, come on up here. I want to get a real preacher up here for a little bit. And so I asked Bill to come up here and give a testimony of something God did in his life. And because uh, it's going to go right along with what I preach. And so, Bill, it's all yours. Hey, can you all hear me? Oh, yeah. Praise God. I've been wanting to get up here ever since you put them on TV here. <laughs> but uh, I want to tell you a little story. You know, I get, I like to talk. I like people and I like to talk. Got a whip in first grade school for talking. <laughs> You know, and then I learned later, they said, when you're talking, you don't learn anything. And so I guess that's what they whipped me for. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, I'll try to make it a little shorter. When I was 13 years old, I was uh, working with my friend, was gathering corn, and a tractor run over me. And uh, it run over my legs, both of them. It was one of them old case tractors with orange wheels with spikes on them, but the spikes didn't hit me. It just broke one of my legs, in uh, my left leg. But anyhow, they took me to the doctor, and they cut it open, put a plate in there. They cut it 13 inches long. And when they, any of the other doctors now do it about that long. But anyhow, they put a plate in it, and I never seen a football game, but my brother told me, said, man, said, you put these pads on, <laughs> you can hit them as hard as you want to, you know. And I thought, man, that was a thing. So I played football four years with my leg like that. It never would heal up. It had a hole in it about the size of a quarter. And it drained, and I got it infected, of course, doing that. And uh, they sent me to a specialist, Dr. Hinchy, And he come out to Hondo, and he took the plate out and cleaned it up. It healed up. And I went uh, 32 years before it come back on me again. I was running some equipment, and uh, I guess... It, I thought that irritated it, but it, yeah, it wasn't it. it. It come back and opened up and started draining. So I went to Dr. Burkhart in San Antonio. He was my doctor there on that kind of stuff. And so he uh, told me, said, I said, I think it's just a little piece of bone or something working out there. And he said, no, I don't believe. But <laughs> you, uh, I said, well, I don't want to do nothing right now and just I come back home, and I had a tar shop here. And I was fixing flats, and it was hot, and I was uh, getting fever. He told me, he said, you watch that. If it gets red, you get back down here. And so I thought it was going to heal itself, but I was taking 8 to 12 aspirins a day. And I did that because I was having fever, 
and uh, I closed one is July the second. I closed my shop and went in the house. And when I come to, I was in the bathroom floor, and uh, I thought, man, wonder what happened. I felt all around, I, nothing broke, you know. And I said, hmm, I got clean clothes on. I must have showered. I looked in the shower, and there was blood in there. Sure enough, I'd been in there. And so anyhow, I called Robert and Laura, and I said, told them what happened. Pat was gone, taking my daughter to airport in San Antonio. And uh, I called Robert and Laura, and they, Robert said, I'll be right down. He come down there, and I sat down on the couch. And he said, now, what, what happened to you? And I started to tell him, and I just, I went out. I was passed out. And they called the ambulance. They hauled me to San Antonio. And I guess every doctor down there checked me because I was out. I didn't know anything went on. <laughs> and so they uh, put me in there and checked everything. And when I come to, I just woke up in Psalms 23. It was on my mind. Pat had bought me no uh, living Bible back in 74. 1974, and she had brought it down, put it there on the table, and I got that, turned to Psalms 23, and it said, because the Lord's my shepherd, there's not anything I need. He lets me rest in the meadow grass, and he leads me beside the quiet streams, and I will restore your failing health. Now, King James Bible in that it will say soul, but I wouldn't have understood it if it had said soul, but I was sick, you know, and so it said, I will restore your failing health. And I just, I knew I was all right. And it says, and I will help you do what honors me most. And I knew I was okay. <laughs> And so this went on. I got out of the hospital 28 days later. I said how long I had to stay. And uh, this doctor, he had operated on my leg three times in two weeks. And he scraped the bone down so thin, probably about as thick as that thing. But he, he said now he got all of that uh, infection out that I guess he thought he had all of it and he said you walk on crutches for three months and said then you come back and I'm going to take that piece out and shorten your leg or do bone graft one or the other and I told him okay and so I was very careful for three months and I went down and took hyperbaric treatment and high powered medication they gave me at Hondo and they even come at, on the weekend and give me this high-powered medication to keep kill that infection. I had it bad. And so uh, whenever three months was up, I go back down and I took the x-ray and took it in there. And he just looked at it and shook his head. He said, hmm. He said, there's no way I'd go back to a bone graft or take that piece out of your leg. He said, you got as much bone as you ever had. But I had hands laid on me here and prayed for whenever I went back down there before that. And God healed it way back there. I know he did. And, uh, but I had all the bone that I ever had. And he said, my thinking is, since you can just... Uh, walk out of here and never have no more problem. And I said, well, how about the crutches? And he said, just get off of them the best way you can. And so I finally hobbled around with one, and then I finally, I said, I just, I said, I'm okay. I just throw that other one down and made myself walk. Of course, that's hard to do when you haven't walked three months on it. But uh, I uh, could have told you the whole story, but it would have took the rest of Robert's time up. <laughs> But anyhow, God healed me, and uh, he put that bone all back there. I've been, I've been walking on it ever since. And uh, 
I went 32 years before that infection come back, and he said a bone infection will come back 10 to 12 years, and said, you set a new record, you went 32 years. <laughs> so I just praise God, you know, that he healed me, and he's done so many miracles on me, I, I've got to shut up now because I could tell you lots of them, and I'll, I'll give it back to Robert. Praise God. I wanted you to hear that from Bill's own lips this morning because um, I want to show you this here in Hebrews 4. Let's read it. Hebrews 4.11 is where I'm going to start. It says, let us therefore become diligent. Everybody say diligent. <laughs> to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living. It's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even unto the division of the soul and the spirits and of the joints and of the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Okay, so to tell my side of the story, when Bill went to the hospital, and, you know, I mean, it was, it, was, it was bad, you know. I mean, we were scared for him. I mean, it was a bad thing. And so uh, when we go down to the hospital and he says to me, I, I, last night I was, reading, I was opening up my Bible and I was reading Psalms 23. And it said, it will, I will restore your failing health. And my first thought was, that's not what it says, you know. Because I was, I was reading a, a, a different translation. It says, and he will restore your soul. Okay? And so I could see in Bill's eyes, I could see in his face that he had an encounter. He had a, he had a moment that Jesus took that word, even though it was from a living Bible. I mean, it was one of the most big green padded ones, you know? And uh, even though it was from that Bible, and he read, and when that word came to him, it was life to him. And I could see it in his face. And I turned to Laura. We walked out a little bit. I said, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible don't say that. I said, I don't know if that's the miracle that God caused the, the, the you know, the words change. And she said, well, maybe it does in that translation. And I said, I don't know. So when I went home, I opened up mine, looked at it, and said, well, I'll be, it does say that. And so, um, but I said, your, your father's healed. I said, I can tell you right now, your father's healed. We don't have to worry about him. They won't have to, you know, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. Because I can see it in his face. He heard from Jesus. Amen. Now, folks, there's a difference between taking, a, taking your Bible, open up your Bible and reading it like a book, or having the living word touch you. Because when Jesus speaks it, it's powerful and it's life and it brings life and it, and it, and it comes into your whole system and I've seen Christians before, you know, like, you know, I'm doing it to you in a sense. I, I, I print out these cards for you for, you know, scriptures. And, and I've seen people read the living word, but it didn't become alive to them. Are you hearing me? You see, folks, we're supposed to be having a living, living relationship with Jesus. It's supposed to be like you're supposed to be hearing from heaven. It's supposed to be coming into your life and there be a constant, 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 constant flow of walking with him. It's not going to heaven, going boldly to the throne room of God and telling God what you want him to do. It's going to boldly to the throne room of the Lord as a priest of God and ministering unto him and hearing his word. Because when you hear his word, it changes your life. So the concept is that this message I've been preaching about ministering to the Lord is there's too many people trying to get God to minister to them when they should be just spending their time ministering to the Lord and listening for his voice. Because when you hear his voice, it'll heal you. When you hear his voice, it'll set you free. When you hear his voice, it'll change everything in life. Amen. Y'all alive out there. OK, look at Hebrews chapter five, verse 14. Hebrews 5.14. It says, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use 
have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, there's something funny here, all right? I don't think any of you, I mean, maybe you do, because we've been listening to some of Dr. Brown's teachings. He's been talking to him about meditation, this and that and the other, but you don't usually think about exercising your senses, right? Now, I don't know if anybody watched the Olympics. You know, I was kind of dis- disgusted with the Olympics, but there were still some great athletes doing some great things. And there was a, a, a swimmer, and I may not even be saying her name on it. was Katie, is it Ledecky? That was a, the great swimmer. And there was something going on. I didn't catch the whole thing, but something was going on, either their travel time from where they had to stay to where they had to go swim, and then they changed the meet to where they was, should be swimming in the afternoons because your bodies are limber, more limber, whatever, and they had to put them to swim in the mornings, and so it caused everything to be a conflict. And she was saying that she had to change her diet in order to accommodate this change of, you know, timing. And I, I thought it was funny. She says, yeah, she had to drink extra chocolate milk or something. I was like, chocolate milk? You drink chocolate milk and then go swim? That just didn't sound good to me at all. But it was something like this. So in other words, my point is that as a professional athlete, they're so tuned to everything that's going in their body, every little substance they're putting in their body, also that their body can perform at peak performance, right? And since there was a change in timing, she had to change her eating schedule to make her body perform to its peak. Okay? Now here it says that we're supposed to exercise our senses. Now, if you go look up that word in the Greek, exercise. Okay? The word is pronounced gumnazo. Okay? But it's spelled G-Y-M-N-A. Uh, Z-O. Did y'all catch that? The gym? That's how it's spelled. That's where we get the word gym and gymnasium from. That word, exercise in the Greek. All right? Now, <clears throat> it means to exercise vigorously in any way, either the body or the mind. Another version of it says means to exercise naked. And when I read that, I thought, what? And then it dawned on me. It means you didn't just say, I'm going to go do some exercise. So you went to the gym in your street clothes and tried to work out. It meant that you went prepared to work out. You put your shorts on. You got your tennies on. You got everything you needed to go work out. Okay. How many of us today are prepared to do that strenuous exercise, getting down seriously and getting exercise clothes on to exercise our relationship and our senses with God. Are you with me? You see, folks, I I told you I'm torn between this message and I will get down to the nitty gritty of ministering to the Lord. But there's just some things I got to tell you all this morning. All right. Because I, we've got to wake up as, 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 you know, they're talking about the woke generation, but we got to wake up to what is really going on and what is really the truth. All right. The saddest thing that I, I, I've seen this morning is that right now in Afghanistan, uh, the Taliban is just sweeping back through all the towns, beheading people, killing people, doing all kinds of horrible things, taking back over. Why? Because the goodness or the power was gone. So therefore they could move in. Right. Y'all with me? Okay. It's not rocket science. They knew it was going to happen. They didn't stop and say, oh, wow, I didn't think about that. It wasn't a surprise, really. I can't believe they did that. They knew it was going to happen. You start taking the power structure out of where there's evil, evil is going to start triumphing. America's got to wake up right now and realize that that is what is taking place in America. If you remove God, if you remove the goodness, if you remove the power structure from what's going on, then the same thing we see happening in 
Afghanistan will begin to happen in America. Or rather, is happening in America. Why would you want to defund the police? Why would you ever want to defund the police? Why would you ever want to defund the, the, the one thing that's standing between you and the evil doing whatever it wants to do? And I'll tell you why. Because you want it destroyed. You want America destroyed. That's the end result. Okay? You want America destroyed. Um, God bless the powers that be. We had, uh, there was a town meeting. First time I've ever been to a town meeting. Lived in Utopia for 35 years. Had a town meeting. And uh, I went and had, had the law enforcement there. And our judges were there, uh, JPs. And, um, and I listened. I wanted to say some things, but I just listened. I wanted to observe. I wanted to observe the people. I wanted to see what the reaction of the people were. I wanted to see what everybody else's attitude. I get to see y'all, and I listen to y'all, but I know y'all are radical or you wouldn't be here. I mean, that's the bottom line. I know y'all think just like I do or you wouldn't be sitting here. You didn't come to church because you said, I want to go get irritated this morning. Let's go over there to that crazy preacher. You didn't do that. You came because you wanted to be here. So I'm always kind of preaching to the choir here. But I wanted to see what the town's folks looked like, what town for what was going on. And so as I began to listen, I began to watch, I began to ask questions and observe the questions going on, things that were taking place like that. It became very aware to me that our police force, our, our uh, sheriff's department and our uh, JPs and, and, and the, the, those powers that be are doing a great job. They're, they're working overtime. They're doing everything that they possibly can with the resources that they have. But when the sheriff said to me, didn't say to me, he said to everybody in there, that there's 1,600 square miles in Uvalde County, and we represent more than one county in here this morning. We've got Real County and Bandera County and Atascosa County this morning. So we've got lots of different counties. And so, uh, but it was that it represented 1,600 square miles, and we had 16 deputies to patrol 1,600 square miles. And as I began to listen to that, I thought, wow, uh, that ain't much. And now we're being invaded because it's an invasion, folks, of illegals coming across the border. Not not people that are um, poor uh, Mexicans who are trying to find and seek a better way of life. We're talking Haitians. We're talking Hondurans. We're talking, you know, uh, uh, Venezuelans. We're talking people, Chinese uh, even Nigerians, you know, all, all these people these, that are being caught at the border and thousands of them are coming over. And uh, all of a sudden it just becomes real real to me that uh, we don't have a lot around here to protect us. Okay, I'm not trying to throw fear into you. I'm just telling you the truth. All right? I'm just trying to tell you the truth. So then I began to think about this. I began to pray about it. I began to say, Lord, what are you, what, what's the... What's the answer? What's the answer for us? I can't take care of everybody, but I mean, you put me in a position as a pastor here and, 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 and I'm supposed to be shepherding these sheep and helping keep them herded in the right direction. So what's the answer here, Lord? And again, this word keeps coming back up inside of me, community. Community. It's time for us to really get serious about taking care of our friends and our neighbors. It's time for us to really be what the Bible calls a Christian. All right. One of my points in, in ministering to the Lord is our priority has got to be souls. All right. Our priority has got to be souls. And with that goes the, the story of the Good Samaritan. I just have to give me a second here because I'm just tearing my notes all to pieces this morning here and just jumping from one end to the other. Uh, Luke 10 Verse 30 says, it's talking about the Good Samaritan. Now, it says, when Jesus answered, he said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho because the, 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 the uh, Pharisee that was asking him this, or the Sadducee was asking him this, says, you know, well, who's my neighbor? So I'm saying to you, who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Your neighbor's going to obviously be, just like it was in this story, the person you come across. Are you with me? Everybody else, you know the story. I don't need to read the story. I'll take too much time if I read the story. But you know the story. There's a guy wounded, beat up, half dead on the side of the road. 
the different the everybody goes walking by the, 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 the religious leaders go walking by the good people go walking by the you know, whatever the town mayor goes walking by, everybody goes walking by, everybody goes by and nobody does anything for him. And then the Samaritan who was supposed to be like a person who's not quite, uh, you know, like accepted in society circles. See, what's going on a lot in America today is that that everybody starts talking about we're, we're fighting for equality, but the ones that are fighting for equality, they're communist. You know, the reason why I say they're communist well, because they really are, but <laughs> but their attitude as being a communist is because they put themselves in an elite class and look at everybody else as subservient. OK, and so all these other guys walk by this guy, but the Samaritan comes by who's huh, like us. Not accepted in social circles, doesn't know what fork to use doesn't know that you're not supposed to put your elbows on the table. I don't know how you can eat without putting your elbow on the table. I am never more uncomfortable than having to sit with one hand in my lap and try to eat like this. It's not right. <laughs> it throws you out of balance. You're un, it, it, it's not good for your digestion. It's not. I'm telling you the truth here this morning. It's not good for your digestion. Okay. Um, so he's like us, but he finds the guy and he's willing to do something. Folks, we've got to be willing to do something today. We've got to be willing to check on our neighbor. We've got to quit being scared that what if the neighbor's got the COVID and gives it to me? We've got, we got to be people who are willing to check on somebody. Hey, do you need something? Not just your friends, but your neighbors. I, quest, I challenge you today. Do you know everybody that lives around you and do you have communication with them? Because, folks, I'm telling you, I've said this, and if I'm wrong, you know, y'all can chastise me. But I'm telling you, things are going to get worse before they get better. I'm telling you, I don't believe we've seen what's coming. And we got to have community because souls are a priority. Now, someone could say to me, well, what about those poor immigrants that are coming across the border? They're souls, too. They are. Jesus loves them, wants them to be saved. But there also comes a time when are they willing to cooperate or are they just coming over here to be roving marauders? Okay. But one of the ways that you minister to the Lord, because listen to this, look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. Let's go there. Matthew 25, 34. Then the king would say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty or give you a drink? Or when did we see a stranger take you in or naked or clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say unto them, Assuredly, I say unto uh, say to you, and as much as you've done it unto the least one of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, look, every time you minister to somebody, every time you gave something, every time you called your neighbor, every time you helped somebody out, you ministered to him. It's part of our job as priest of God. I made the point Wednesday night, and let me just touch it. But in the Old Testament, there was there was the Levitical priesthood, and they were the ones that ministered to the Lord, and they had all their jobs to do. But according to Peter, in, 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 in 1 Peter 2.9, it says that you are the priesthood of God. You are now the kingdom of priests. You are the Levitical priest. Everybody that's saved is a priest, a, king, a kingdom of priests to their God. All of us have a responsibility to minister to Jesus. Now, it gets really technical when you start saying, well, what, well, who's my neighbor and who's this? And I, folks, listen, whoever you run across that day, whatever's around you that day, that's who you're supposed to minister to. Now, what does it mean, minister to somebody? Well, well, look what he said. When they were sick, they prayed for them. When they were in prison or bound up, they visited them. They, in other words, you see, if we as Christians aren't strong enough to have a word for somebody else within your Christianity is not doing really any good. We're supposed to be whole and fit and been exercising our senses 
so that we have a good word to tell somebody. We have a, uh, listen, Jesus can do this. We have a testimony like Bill. You do not know how many times that man tells people that story. Oh, and he's got a string of them. He can sit here and tell you how God delivered him from smoking and how he did this and that. And Bill's not ashamed, is unashamed to just get out there and just tell anybody over a cup of coffee what's going on. He'll tell them what God healed him. Okay. And what I'm saying to us is if our if we haven't been exercising our sense and we haven't been to the gymnasium. In our. Relationship with God. Then you don't have anything to give somebody. You're going to walk right by that Samaritan, uh, that that half dead person on the side of the road. And you're going to look at him and say, oh, yeah, I don't have time to mess with that. I, I don't. I'm kind of tired today. I got my own problems. Feel about half dead myself. We've got to exercise ourselves. That means what? Trying to get hold of that living word. It's going to be powerful. It's going to set us free. It's going to set others free that we can turn around and say, yeah, I was, I was going down that road, but changed. Met Jesus. It's a simple thing, folks. See, we're always looking for the big, bright, shining light to come down. Ah. We're always looking for this. great. But basically, if you just take your life and then every day that you go out, everybody that you come around, you just look to see if there's an open door for you to do something for them, help them, bless them, encourage them, do something. Your friend calls and says, you know, they need a jar of mayonnaise. You went and got it. Or come help me. My house is surrounded. Folks, we've got to get a community. Only thing that's going to make it is community. Only thing that's going to make it in life is that the, the, the knowledge that y'all have, each and every one of you, we use it together to move forward with. And when you're doing that, you're actually ministering to the Lord. So if you really want to minister to Jesus, well, then get your eyes open and start looking for as many people as you can find. Because souls are important to him. Are you with me? Now, you've got to remember something, church. Do not get discouraged that there are goats out there. The Bible says many are called, few are chosen. You will find some sheep out there that will, you can minister to, but there are also goats out there. All right? Don't get discouraged because you ran across a goat. Don't give up and quit because there was just a stinky goat over there. All right? Our job is to minister to them all, and those that take it, take it, and those that don't, don't. That's one of the hardest things to do. Most pastors burn out simply because, well, that's not right. A lot of them burn out just because they should have never been there to start out with. But, you know, I have all of y'all like a family. And so I'm looking at all of y'all like a family. So when one of you is sick, just imagine you got just your own family you're dealing with. Well, then I'm dealing with the whole family. When somebody's sick and somebody's hurting, man, I've got to take all that on. And I'm looking at it and go praying. And my, my prayer life gets really big and, because I'm praying for everybody. Right. But I realize that some people are going to take it. Some people aren't. Some people are really grieved for that. They, they won't take it. They choose a different path. And I just have to let it go. And it hurts. But, you know, I say, okay, Lord, I just got to realize many are called, few are chosen. Some people are going to take it. Some people aren't. Don't get discouraged. It's not going to discourage me because there's always going to be another good one come along somewhere. There's always going to be a good testimony, a good story, a good something coming out because, man, y'all guys are blessings. You hear what I'm saying? So that's part of the part of it. It doesn't change you ministering to the Lord. I love it. Jesus said, man, if they didn't receive me, why do you think they'd receive you? <laughs> You're right. If they wouldn't take the son of God, what do I, chance do I have of even, you know, listening to me? But that doesn't change that I ministered to the Lord. See, I get excited when I think about this because, see, I'm, I'm counting it all up this morning. I'm, 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 I'm ministering to y'all, praying for y'all, doing everything like that, but I'm doing it to Jesus. So I get excited because I get to minister to the Lord. We've got to change our thinking, folks, from getting God to minister to us to figuring out how we're going to minister to him. 
And then I've just seen people in life. I've seen them. I've seen the way they've operated. The person that's always needy and always needing and needing and needing and needing. That person always is in a place of, of need. They never get blessed. They never get to the place. But you find the other person who you're like, man, you're going through a hard time. That's really rough. And they just still got a smile on their face. I want to tell you all something. There he is back there. Bill Schaefer. I, as a kid, made my mother, as I got older, change where she bought her gas in Sabinow. Because the guy she went to, to she traded at, he didn't give away free candy. <laughs> but if you went over to the Texaco across the road, and you went and Bill Schaefer filled up your gas tank, because that was the old days, the old service station. You ran a service station down there, and that, that was, you know, he came out and checked your oil and did all that kind of stuff. And he'd come out, and he'd have a handful of candy. He'd say, oh, yeah. Man, he'd be giving out candy. And then so I always say, Mama, go over there. We ain't going to trade. This guy gives candy over here. It's same price on gas. Go over there. Right? He is a smart businessman. <laughs> a few pieces of bubble gum, man. I'd, everybody would sell out for that, you know? And so my point is, is that, that you're going to find some of those people that are always going to be smiley, always going to be good, that you want to go visit with them, right? And you're going to find a few old grumps in life. You're going to find a few people that are just, they're just, man, they're just sour. Some people that are just focused in one thing, you can't, you know, there's nothing else that they're thinking about but this one thing. But my point is, we minister to all of them, we bless all of them, we do what we can to all of them because you change your attitude because you're not doing it to them, you're doing it unto the Lord. And when you do that, you're ministering to Jesus. Jesus said, you're ministering to me, you're blessing me. So you want to bless somebody? Today, when you go to the cafe, buy somebody's lunch, and you minister to Jesus. You bless Jesus directly. Just think about that. Is that crazy? I mean, it's like, it's like he's telling us something here and showing us something here that you can literally physically do that touches heaven. That's wild. But see, what's happened to us is this world. I heard a message a long time ago. I mean, like when I first got saved and got going... There was this preacher and he was preaching. He was talking about the evils of the world. And I can't remember all of them. But the first one I, I thought was so funny was he said that the first evil he preached on was air conditioning. And I was like, air conditioning? How could air conditioning be evil? This was his point. That in the cities, in the, in the you know, let's say the 40s and the 50s, it was too hot inside your house. So everybody sat out on the porch. So everybody tended to visit with each other. They tended to go over to each other's house. Everybody sat on the porch. It made a developed a sense of community. It developed a sense of having friends, you knowing your neighbors. Then when air conditioning came along, well, everybody went in their houses. So therefore it caused there to be a separation. And then they weren't, were no longer having a relationship. And when I heard that, because I, I did just like you did air conditioning, how could that be of the devil? And it made me, it really wasn't the air conditioning, but that was what caused people to go in their house. But I thought to myself, how we've gotten so isolated, how we have gotten so uncommunity, right? Not caring about our neighbors, not caring about what's going on. And so because of that, we develop isolationist. And the Bible says that a man who isolates himself is seeking his own desire. And so that separates us. And what we've got to have is community. That's why I've been pushing you know, our first Sunday, we're all in here as a family. We've got to have dinner on the grounds, get together. We need to fellowship. We need to learn. We need to talk. We need to go, you know, because we need, I, I need what you've got. You need what I've got. There's somebody in here that has an answer for your situation. If you want to figure out how to fix anything with a piece of bailing wire, talk to Bill Shaver, he'll show you. <laughs> I've never known anybody in life who has more joy in seeing a broken lawnmower in the dump, getting it, fixing it, and using it, than if you just, somebody gave him a new one. The joy of that on the man's face just has always blown my mind. If you need to know how to fix it, that man can tell you. So my point is, folks, is we've got to get to this place. If we want to take this part of ministering to the Lord, this has to be something that is very serious about us because, folks, we've got a real serious situation going on to where I'm telling you, uh, our safety is not what it should be. But then this is something else I want to share with you. <clears throat> okay, I have traveled a lot, got to travel a lot in the world, 
been to a lot of places. Every place I've left outside of America, I never felt safe. Okay, I mean, I've been to a lot of third world countries. And so, you know, even when we're in Guatemala, we realize that at any minute you could be in just maybe randomly in a, 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 a shootout. I mean, years ago, uh, Ivan's wife and, and, and children were uh, at a hotel, a nice hotel we stay at in Guatemala. And, and they went downstairs to the, to, there's like a little shopping area down there. And they went down there and they just got in the elevator and came up and just got to the floor when gunfire broke out and there was two rival gangs fighting each other. They could have been right in the middle of it, just mere seconds from being in the middle of it. You just realize it. You just accept it. I mean, I, I could tell you a story of almost every country I've been in. There was, there was an attempt for somebody tried to knock me in the head. You just accept it. Just go on. Just the way it is. I expect it. I get out. I look. I look around. And then when I come home, I feel safe. Go out to my house and sit there on the porch. Don't think anything about it. But now all of a sudden things are changed. Now all of a sudden I find myself walking out on the porch and making sure and checking all directions to make sure there's nobody out there. Making sure that everything's safe. Making sure that I lock my car at night. I have not locked my truck at night in forever. And so now I'm trying to develop a habit of locking my truck at night. I had... Folks, I, I went to figure, I had, we had to go search the house to find the key to the house. Because we don't lock our house. Don't need to. But now we do. You follow what I'm saying? All of a sudden, the United States and right here in Texas, in our little old sleepy town, the, the land that time forgot, and we're sitting here, and all of a sudden, you're not safe? And the law enforcement that we have for us is telling us, listen, I'm sorry, there's not really anything you can do. Call. You get in trouble. And depends on how close a deputy is, they'll get here. Could be 10 minutes. Could be 45. He had drive through valley. Right? So that's just a change of things. I'm sitting here all of a sudden. I'm having to live like I did in a third world country. Why? Because fools don't want to live the word of God. Because fools want to do foolish, stupid things that all are against God's word. They want to take it out. Well, folks, all I got to do is say, look at Afghanistan. Take out the good. Look what's going to happen. And here you take out the good. Look what's going to happen. I even saw an article this week that in L.A. that uh, the, the district attorney's office is having a hard time finding uh, uh, lawyers to, to public uh, defenders and so they decided they just open it up to whoever you didn't have to be a citizen you have to be a citizen of the United States anybody that applied if you came over illegally and you had the best resume they'd hire you to be the public defender for the rights of an American and I'm like what how stupid could that be but they're going to do it because people want to do crazy, stupid, perverted things. Hello? Are y'all with me? I'm trying to preach the seriousness of what we've got here today on hand. It's not, a, it's not just happening in Washington. It's in our back door. It's right here. It's on top of us. And I'm telling you, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And the only thing that we can do is do what Jesus told us to be ministers unto him and help our neighbors. Amen. It's going to have to be us take care of ourselves. Yes, it's going to have to be us figure out how to get everything from food to doctored. My only prayer is, and I, 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 I get worried about this every once in a while. Because I think maybe I'm behind. But I feel like the Lord has always had me. I've always been ahead. He's always been pulling the reins back on me saying, hold, just whoa, hold on, hold on. And I don't think I'm behind. But 
I mean, I'm, I'm taking peace that God's got us on the right track and we're going to get where we need to be. But folks, I'm telling you, we're going to we're going to put in uh, a I don't know what you call it. We're going to grow some food. How about that? We're going to put in some greenhouses, grow some food. We're going to put up a medical clinic. We're going to I mean, you know, I don't know what else we're going to do. We have to put up school. I don't know. I just know we're going to do whatever we're going to do because I want to take care of this community. Hello? I'm not going to be scared of anything. I'm not going to back up and say, oh, we can't do that. And I'm not going to crawl in a hole. I just want you to know Pastor Robert's not crawling in a hole. I read so many times in the Bible where, where you know, Israel said that, you know, they went to the caves and the dens and the holes. I ain't crawling no hole. When you crawl in a hole, you got nowhere to go. All right? And I know that I'm really, really, really sick and tired of a bunch of this stuff. I'm, I'm tired of church people arguing over and splitting large church denominations, splitting over obvious things in the Bible. I mean, that just blows my mind. You either believe the Bible's true or you don't. And so if you don't believe it's true, well, then you're not a Christian, so get out. All right? I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of messing around with it. I'm tired of, I'm tired of, I'm tired of just really stupid things going on. Right? Are y'all? So the only thing we can do is do what the Word says. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Minister to the sick. And as you've done it unto them, so you did it unto me. And develop our own sense of community. Okay? Now, um, I want you to know, I'm not scared. I'm not going to operate in fear. Hear me, church. I'm not operating in fear. All right? I'm operating in some caution. Like I told you, I walk out in the mornings. I check to make sure I just go blundering outside to feed the dog. Right? Because they've had illegals right here in Utopia. So if they've had them in Utopia, they're in Lakey. They've been in Lakey. They've been in Bandera. You know, they're everywhere. Right? And these are, we, they, the, the sheriff told us, these are not nice guys. These are not your typical, as I grew up in a ranch where workers came over from Mexico and they were good people and they were respectful and all they wanted to do was make a better life for them. Those, that's not those people. These people are aggressive. These people are carrying machetes, guns, and knives. Okay? So you got to have wisdom. You need to be observant. But I'm not going to walk in fear. God didn't give me a spirit of fear. Give me a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, right? Amen. It's time to be Christians. It's time to pray. It's time to pray. Now I want to challenge you. I want to ask you. You know, I told you last week we were talking about it. I said, hey, a good deal would be every, every time you eat a meal, every time you put food in your mouth. Stop and pray. Pray over this nation. Pray God arise. Pray Psalm 68.1. Let God arise that his enemies be scattered. Amen. So I'm not going to ask you how many of you did that, but if you haven't developed that habit yet, start developing it. It's our job to pray. It's our job to speak and to pray over. It's our job to change the environment of what's going on. Right? And I'll be honest with you. You know, when they came to Jesus in the garden and Peter jerked out his sword and Took that guy's ear off. And then Jesus says, no, 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 no. Stop. We're not doing that now. Point is, I may take a few ears off, but I know the Lord will keep us straight. I mean, I mean, Peter went to the prayer meeting with his sword on. Have y'all ever thought about how did he cut his ear off? You ever think about that? Was he, was it like a real quick move, like, and just lopped his ear off. Because if he took a full swing at the guy, he'd have cut his shoulder. Unless the guy saw the deal and he ducked his head sideways like that. And he just whisked off his ear. And then in the, and, and I know I'm getting off. I'm just going to stop. But then, and then how did they find the ear? It's dark and they just got deals. And the guy's squalling, blood everywhere, his ear's gone. And then somebody looks at us, oh, here it is. You know, pulls, picks up his ear. And then did they, what did they do with it? It's coated with dirt and stuff on it? <laughs> I mean, what did he do? Stuck it, did he put a dirty ear back on his head and it just was healed? I mean, I, I think about all these things. 
did he have to put it on right? What if he put it on upside down? <laughs> and the guy was happy. <laughs> he got over there and they got to look at says, hey dude, your earlobe's at the top of your head. <laughs> so I can hear forwards and backwards. <laughs> but I'm looking for a good time. I want to tell y'all something. I'm looking, I'm excited. I, I know God's just on the precipice of doing great things. Amen. Besides healing all y'all today and everything else going on, I'm just believing God. It's just great days. These are great days. I'm looking for y'all to be telling me testimonies and coming in here and filling this church up and bringing people in because y'all are out there, man, I was out there. Y'all just be lined up all the way outside the door. Won't tell testimony what God did that week. Because I'm telling you, these are good days. You say, oh my gosh, it's terrible days. No, it's good days for us. <laughs> what are they going to do to me? You know? Shoot me, send me to heaven. I mean, wow. That was a, yeah, do it. <laughs> so folks, be encouraged. Amen? Amen. God is on your side. God is going to move and he's going to do it. Amen. So put your Bibles up and stand up if you would. I want to pray for you. Father, I just declare over this congregation today, I declare over everybody watching and listening today. I just declare, Lord God, that you are going to arise in our midst and our enemies are scattered. I declare, oh Lord God, that you give us a sense of community. You give us a, an understanding today that when we go out into the world, we're going to see those half dead people on the road. We're going to see those people that need Jesus. And Lord, we're going to be able to speak to them. We're going to be able to talk to them and we're going to be able to lead them to you. I declare, Lord God, that you are an awesome, amazing God. And I declare that, Lord God, that as the enemy comes in like a flood, you said, you, boy, you lift up a standard. You lift up a standard and that the Holy Spirit rules and reigns in this church. I declare, Lord, everything you've called us to do, we're going to do. Everything that we need to accomplish, we will get accomplished. I declare, Lord, we're not going to be behind. We're going to be right on time because you made us the head, not the tail. We're above and not beneath, Lord God. You've made these people more than conquerors, overcomers in life. And you said in 1 John 5 and 4, this is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. And so I declare, Lord God, our faith arises. It's in you. And Lord, we will not be stopped in Jesus' name. Lord, bless them. Bless this time. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. God bless you, church.